Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm your host, Dale Spangler, and this week our guest is former pro motocross racer turned motorcycle storyteller and singer-songwriter, Blake Wharton. This episode of Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America. Moto America is the home of AMA Superbike Racing and is North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2022 series and revisit all the action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. To view the complete 2023 Moto America race schedule, head over to MotoAmerica.com and be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real time series updates. Let's get started. We'd like to welcome back to Pit Pass Moto, former pro motocross racer, Blake Wharton. Blake, thanks for coming on to share what you've been up to lately in both your personal yeah. and professional lives. What's uh, what's well, new with you? What's new? Well, a lot of action, but I've uh, been enjoying the races, of course, now that Supercross is back. So that's in our weekly schedule for sure. We're not going to miss any of those events. And then, of course, we've got houston this next weekend so we'll be going there and then in dallas soon but um yeah just nine to five and over here watching the races and then we get some side projects going as well so that we're looking forward to uh, come uh, march 7th yeah so one of those projects kind of the sort of big news why we wanted to have you back on was this event that you're calling the king of daytona pros versus joe's race that's going to be in conjunction with the Ricky Carmichael Supercross Vintage Days, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us about that. Where did this idea come from? Well, earlier last year, or later last year, we got to do the uh, Diamond Dawn's uh, big vintage race here in, in Southeast Texas. And uh, we were introduced to the class there, which is the XR200 class, you know, the small little bikes that, that some people probably have just sitting in the garage right now, or they've been using as pit bikes for a long time. And uh a friend of mine built uh, a bike and he invited me out there. And so we showed up and there's 22 guys, like five, six, seven, eight fast guys. So it was actually, it was a blast. We got to do a story on it and a video on it. It was on Racer X. And so from then we just thought, wow, this is a cool concept. Um, they've been doing this concept, I think, for a while. You know, some guys have done it in California. We learned it from Diamond Dawn event. And then I'm sure it's been happening in, you know, since the 80s and 90s to, to a degree. But we thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to take that to the big show, which would be, you know, Daytona being Daytona Bike Week. And I'll be I'll be seeing a different side of it. You know, back back when I was racing full time, it was just like you fly into Daytona, you do your thing, you fly out. But uh, I'm told there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening. So maybe we'll get a chance to watch the amateur guys and hopefully maybe a couple of them will want to stay for the next day and win the vets and the ATVs race from what I'm told. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I was wondering if that was the case, that it sort of carried over the idea from that Diamond Don vintage race, which 
I think, by the way, it was the 20th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, this past year. Yeah, and that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hadn't heard of this event much, but then I, when I did some digging, I'm like, this looks like a really, really cool vintage race. Well, Diamonds, it's yeah, exactly what you said. I had heard about it years before, but it's like that event that everybody knows about, but they maybe have not gone to. Um, it's sort of like underground, if you will, still. But it's got a great turnout from when we were there, and Diamonds got a cool facility. And we just had some really cool guys out there this year. I'm sure they've had really good runs the last 20 years, you know, as well. But uh, just seeing the different bikes. And then, of course, you know, I grew up with motorcycles and I'm a second generation racer. So I saw the vintage bikes coming up and I, and I knew about the different brands and the different guys. But I've never done much with, with vintage um, personally. And these XRs kind of fit in a different sort of mold. You know, they're, they're vintage, but they're, they're four-stroke technology and they're pretty bulletproof good for people who are wanting to learn, you know, and get in a little bit cheaper. Good for, you know, vet guys that are not riding full time anymore or or guys just looking to level the odds and even the playing field. But yeah, that's that's where we first experienced the the 200 class and and we're wanting to do some different projects this year and different media projects and writing and and film and um stay involved in, in as many ways as we can and so this was this was one we hit um, Davey up on and um, Tim Cotter, because Davey let me do the story. And so he's well aware of the class. And uh, they like the idea, you know, and vintage racing is actually pretty big. I can, I've come to understand in, in Texas. And there's been a lot of good guys that I've gotten to meet from that event. Then I went to Doney, Texas for another ARMA event. So that was our second one. And so we just got to meet a lot of cool people and uh, folks from, from the Ohio, you know, area up there in California. And um, we're hoping to meet some other guys, you know, when we, uh, when we go to Florida for this thing. Yeah. I was noticing the diamond Don event from last year. I mean, there's some pretty big names that, that show up at that, like Kevin Windham, for example, I think I saw where you made a post for Eric Vallejo from Mexico, former pro racer, and then some of the more veteran riders like Brad Lackey. So I assume yeah. that this event going to Daytona, I, has there been some already some pretty good interest from some, uh, former pro racers? There's been some good interest. Um, yeah, Eric. Eric's a friend of mine. He came to Dony with us, and where we raced the 100 CCs, the 1982, 1981, uh, 83 uh, Yamaha 100 CCs. Um, and yeah, it'd be awesome to have him out. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. You know, it's a it's far for folks on the other side of Texas, and so I'm thinking we're going to pull more from the the Gulf Coast crowd and maybe some folks from a bit north. Uh, but definitely some interest so far. You know, after that race, we saw like 10, 15 guys going to build these bikes like immediately. And so we knew that there was interest there and we knew that it was a good niche of the sport. I mean, literally just all these guys and the builders like Kenny Vaughn, for example, who built the bike that I raced um, at Diamond Dawn's, he was swamped all of a sudden uh, with work. And then Nikki Dunlap, who's doing my motor he's just swamped with work and so we know the bikes are there it's about getting people to show up and fortunately daytona is a well-known event right it's just getting the word out that this class will be taking place on that day and then if you've got a bike and you want to throw a pipe on it and change out the springs you're pretty much good to go it doesn't take much to get them race worthy but you know you can go all out and spend you know 10 grand in them as well um, as far as pros go, we got some good guys that I've been talking to. It's a little bit harder right now with Supercross. So some of the guys that I may have approached are going to be pretty busy. They still may come. Um, but there's some good vintage guys like uh, in Arena Cross, uh, Nicholas Jones. We've got uh, Riley the Ripper. He's a fellow Texas racer. He races the XR200. 
I talked to John Shore, you know, Cody Gilmore, a lot of the guys that um, are going to be there from some of the flat track stuff and maybe some of the dads of uh, some of the amateur guys. I was hoping maybe a Mike Brown or, or you know, a Kevin would show up, but um, not totally sure yet. So we're just getting the word out still. So I'd like to lock in some of those guys here soon. And yeah, I mean, even the, the intermediate guys and, and guys that maybe, you know, we didn't grow up racing, they're still really fast on those bikes. And there's some really good guys. Sean, I've been talking to Sean Hackley about it. He's pretty much lightning on a 110. He's always been super, super good. There's a whole there's a whole list of them that I've got um, wrote down that I'm in communications with. It's just about, uh, you know, finding the, the bikes for these guys. Because, you know, not a lot of them are going to have those just sitting around. And, yeah, so that's where we're at right now. But uh, a lot of interest so far, and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it sounds already like it's going to be really interesting, whether you're there to see the cool bikes or just see some old fast racers, like you're saying, because a lot of those names you mentioned, I think, man, if, if half of those people come, it's going to be really a fun event. What do you think the end goal is with this this event, though? Is it just more just to bring attention to the whole vintage racing scene, or are you kind of hoping for this to snowball a little bit more? Well, we'll see when it's when we're there and when it's done. But yeah, we're not opposed to doing this more going forward. There's already some really cool races around the U.S. and even in Europe that do some really cool vintage racing. Um, and maybe introducing this class would help a bit, as you know. The unfortunate part with vintage bikes is there tend to be less of them each year. You know, you can't be too hard on some of them. And just parts are becoming hard to find for like the 100, for example, the Yamaha, a really cool bike. But it's kind of a rarity these days where the XRs are a bit more abundant and you can, you can just do, I think more of them. So it's a good class for that type of racing and to introduce sort of a different side. Like I said earlier, we're just trying to do as much as we can right now with, with the different projects. And we love staying involved. Me and my partner, um, Jordan Lake, who's, who's helping me out with this and we're building some bikes and yeah, if we could take it to one of the other big venues, that would be awesome. Who knows? And we're just, we're open to possibilities and, yeah, the community is really cool. You know, I grew up racing with just pretty intense amateur scene when it when it was, you know, I don't know, it's it's big now, but it was at a, a high point um, when I was coming up through the amateurs. And so you didn't really ride as much for fun. And so that was kind of a newer concept that was introduced to me. And you can just tell at these events, everyone's nice and everyone's having a good time. And it's just, it's just for, you know, the event and to promote just the, the coolness of this concept and and being involved in just racing. And so either way, whether you win or you, you come in third or, or fifth, it's, it's a good time. And hey, the build's half the battle. So for me, I want to build something as cool as we can and, and show up. It's speed and style. You know, it's, it's everything that the, the vintage guys want. And then maybe a little extra for, for some younger guys or some current pros. So I assume you'll be, you know, you being a columnist for Racer X Illustrated, We'll be able to look for a, an article and possibly even a video here after that event. Yeah, we're going to definitely do a video. We've had some good interest on it for folks online are like, hey, where can I watch this? Where can I watch this? And they do air the Amateur Racing Day, of course, the pros, but the Amateur Racing Day on Racer TV. But this won't be on Racer TV. But fortunately, we have a friend of mine and a online and uh, TV personality, Kaplan America, who's going to be there. And I've been talking to him a good bit. So he's going to be covering it for us at the very least. Of course, we'd like to have some other, you know, magazines or, or journalists, whatever you have out there. And I'm sure Davey will want to do something on it. So we'll definitely be doing some film for sure. Definitely doing some film with Kaplan. And, and uh, I'm just getting the word out. But fortunately, it's a big event. You know, there's a lot of people already there. Um, and if we just have a bit of that crowd there, it's going to be pretty entertaining. 
Well, that's cool to hear. I I recently just discovered yeah. his YouTube channel, Kaplan, and he was over in Saudi Arabia for the Dakar rally. Right. And so I was following some of that. Really good, insightful stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with together. So Yeah, Kaplan does a lot of shooting there. He's there all week. We we spoke about it. He's a big fan of the concept. And, of course, he's, he's big into all the different bikes. And so we're hoping to combine forces a bit and cover this event and see what happens. You know, ultimately, it's up to the folks online and at the races to see how interested they are. And we'll keep it going if we can. Before we finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's talk about another uh, one of your projects you have going on. I saw recently where you did look like a video slash photo shoot for the MX versus ATV video game series. Looked like that was kind of a fun, interesting day. Yeah, no, that was a cool shoot. We did it over here in, in North Texas at Oak Hill, track that I grew up riding. And um, we, we used the UTV track, but I got a good friend of mine, Zach Beavers, who I grew up with, who, who used to race moto, and he's in UTV stuff now. And then we've got um, another fellow quad guy, you know, which that community is, you know, much more thriving than I originally had thought all these years. I hadn't seen quad racing and here it is happening at Daytona and here it is happening at uh, Loretta Lynn's. It was a cool event. We, I got to know the MX versus ATV guys uh, several years ago. Uh, unfortunately, COVID happened when we were starting to talk about doing some different projects. And so it wasn't until now that we got to really get out and do something. And uh, we're going to be dropping that soon. And I hope to do more projects with those guys in the future. Uh, of course, it's a game that I grew up on. And most of us did, you know, and it's changed several different iterations over the years. And and uh, the gaming tech has changed. So it's cool to see. And it's cool to see them being involved with motocross as they have the last couple of years. So, yeah, more stuff with those guys to come. So um, look forward to it. What do they actually do with that? Do they kind of like somehow turn that into illustrations or, you know, a- animation for the video games themselves? Um, no, not quite to that point yet. That would be awesome. You know, some different things that they could possibly do with motion capture. That would be great. But uh, that's some pretty high dollar stuff. This was just a, a promo video for now. And we really love the concept, you know, of basically just live action, UTV, quad and, and dirt bike. And we plan on doing some more stuff going forward. But just seeing those units out on the same track, if the track was somewhat fair and neutral, seeing the advantages and the disadvantages. You know, we grew up with quad racing. It was always around at the at the local racing scene and then kind of died off. And so you could see where the quads were fast and how they would change the track and how things were, were just different. And it was a different world. But those guys still rip. You know, I was surprised at how fast Justin, the quad racer, his bike was just a rocket ship. And I know some of those guys got 75, 85,000 into their units. And then our, our UTV there was $150,000. And it's wow. like a turbo and it's like, it's so loud and fast that it almost hurt my ears just being around it. And so the dirt bike is good. It's nimble and it, you can, you can uh, have some advantages, but it's definitely a lot closer than people might think. So that was one of the things we set out to do to explore and see how close these vehicles were. And let's watch them in the live action sort of setting. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit dangerous there. So you don't see that much anymore at public tracks with those vehicles. And, and of course, UTV guys are on different tracks. So just a cool concept. Yeah, we definitely hope to look to, you know, looking to do some more stuff with that. 
I liked your comment though, where make sure when you're riding with UTVs and quads that they are the ones on the outside in turns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bumping and, and grinding, it doesn't go so well with, you know, when you have a bike in the mix of that. And it was kind of funny because I was talking to Zach and yeah, he had no problem being in his caged UTV. <laughs> he felt safe as, as can be, happy as a clam, if you will. So yeah, don't do it. Don't try it at home. You know, at least um, be very, very much careful because we know how dangerous you can be. But just to be around those those vehicles, you know, again, with quads, of course, I grew up riding with and around quads at the public tracks, but it's just you don't see as many of them anymore. But the UTV was a, it was a different animal. And uh, getting close to that thing and, and putting my hand on it a couple of times and seeing how fast we could go. And it was cool. It was cool. And you definitely don't want to catch roost from those things. And you no. definitely want to give them a little bit of room when they're, when they're pushing the front end. <laughs> definitely. So what else has been going on? Like, I know you, you have your Blake Wharton motocross training uh, schools and then, you know, of course your, your music career, what's been happening in, on those fronts? Uh, anything new and exciting there? We're still recording some music and, and we're going to be implementing some music with this project, actually with the MX versus ATV project. Um, we're going to be doing the music for it and that'll be cool. It'll be a bit different than what we're used to doing. You know, it's more like sync style music just to complement the film, the video. But uh, yeah, I still do some training on the side. I, I don't have as much time these days to do it, but I enjoy that. But yeah, just going to the races and soon with, with Houston and, and Dallas and, and just enjoying it from a different side. You know, we've always got something in the pipeline, always got something in the works. And so we'll definitely keep you guys in, in the loop whenever we get uh, one of these other projects that I've got working that I can't talk about just yet um, yeah. on the books. But yeah, just enjoying the other side. You know, it's a different chapter of my life, but we, we still get to go out and do some of the things that we, you know, grew up doing. It's just a, it's just a different side. We got plenty of ideas. We just, we're just finding places and uh, placement for them. And um, the sports are, you know, evolving and it's growing. So I think there's room for it. So whether it's a bike test or a desert motorbike test that we do or some strange build or a different race that we're going to, I like the oddity stuff. I like, I like the races that maybe no one has heard of and going to countries where moto is thought maybe not to have existed before. And I've always been passionate about that. And so keeping those motocross abroad stories going and meeting new people, you know, in the industry. And that's, uh, that's what it's about for me. Yeah. I love that. Last time we had you on, we talked about, I believe it was Israel. You went over there sure. and did some schools and actually took part in a race and super fascinating. Yeah. The motorcycle sport and the motorcycle sports, different, different versions of it. They're alive and well in you know, other parts of the world. It just, it just looks different. And yep. seeing the guys racing the scooters in India and in Indonesia and these different parts of the world where it's not really motocross, but it's like you can tell that that's what it's aspiring to be. It's it's pretty wild. And some of the things that these guys are doing on these, you know, not say modern uh, <laughs> motorcycles are very expensive motorcycles. Even that, there's just a lot of passion there. Lots of different communities where there needs to be some light shed. And I think it's the, the American viewer, you know, would really appreciate that. And they like that, you know, seeing this, it's just like, wow, when we first went to Israel, you know, people just didn't know that that was happening. And I didn't know to the extent either, but I know it's alive in other parts of the Middle East. You know, it's a little harder to get to those areas right now. And, but we're open, you know, and we're, uh, we'll see where it takes us this road. Yeah. I kind of got that same feeling with just, you know, following this year's Dakar, like they're just so into sport right now. And so a lot of those places in the middle East seem like they're really into motorsports. They definitely can be, you know, motorsports is a bit Western for some of the cultures over there. Uh, they love bikes. They do. They haven't had the opportunities to maybe pursue them so much in the past. 
but yeah, there's no shortage of money in Dubai, as we know. And so there's no reason why there couldn't be a successful and thriving motorcycle community and culture there. I'm sure there already is to an extent. Um, but even more so, even more so than it is now. And then, you know, Israel is a small country, but they have a lot going on for them, a lot of good things uh, economically. And so there's no reason why you couldn't see that. Some of these places just need a little more organization. And, you know, in the U.S., we're pretty lucky. We've got a lot of land, a lot of space. Tracks come and go. But uh, ultimately, it's been pretty easy for us to who have aspired to be racers and have pursued that as our passion. Not so easy in some parts of the world, but the passion is certainly there. It's it's everywhere. Definitely. Well, I wanted to get your take on the state of Supercross right now. Want to see what you think. You being a former three-time 250 Supercross race winner. Wow. What what are your thoughts this year? I think for me personally, of course, I probably say this every year, but to me, it's one of the best starts to the seasons I've seen in a while. We've got top six riders within 15 points of each other. The yeah. level of competition has never been this close, in my opinion, and starts are more critical than ever. You know, what what are your thoughts so far on the series? Well, it's it's very much alive still. You know, it's everybody it's anybody's game, at least in the, you know, in the four fifty class. And even though it's really been Tomax World up until this weekend and everybody's just been living in it, you know, he's been so perfect and seems like he hasn't made a mistake in three years, but you know, things happen and he was pushing hard in, in that motor where he was, I believe, behind Webb. But uh, you know, those little mistakes, man, it, get, it gets you off on the side of the track and the those hay bales, they grab you. They don't uh, they don't let you go. And we saw that with Malcolm Stewart earlier. But uh, very exciting stuff. I mean, it's always really good early on in the season. And fortunately, it's still it's not like one or two guys yet. And it may it may whittle down a bit, you know, three or four rounds from now. But uh, Webb coming on strong, I'd like to think that the East Coast is going to suit him and just, I think, make it to where it tightens up. He's really good on those tight tracks and those rutted tracks, which, of course, on the East, things slow down a little. Mm-hmm. and you have to pick and choose more. So really for a guy like that, I think he's going to be, I mean, he's quite possibly coming into his stride right now. And that could be what he needed and needs to, to get up there and really mix it up with Eli. Eli has been so fast. Of course, we'll see how he comes back, you know, after this, this fall. And then, you know, Sexton, he's been kind of what we've all been expecting it. You know, he's been really fast and we just haven't seen maybe the consistency, but of course he's, he's got it going now and with a win and, and then Jason, you know, I grew up with Jason. I know Jason fairly well, and he's uh, he can win on any night, you know, if it goes his way and he's feeling it. And so having him in the hunt because he had such a good year last year, I mean, I think that's good. That's That definitely keeps it exciting, you know, in the lights class. I'm looking forward to the East Coast. It's, it's going to have some veteran guys that we haven't seen, you know, maybe, what is it, I guess, Sealy. And it's uh, another, another rider that's going to be uh, – coming back i can't think of who it was right now but so that's going to be pretty exciting of course i've always liked the east um we've got the the texas rounds and uh in the lights class on the west it's it's hard to beat jet Lawrence. it's his year to win i mean it's expected of him uh, that doesn't make it any easier sometimes that's actually when it's hardest to win because you know he's got the speed but he's got to play it smart and this weekend he kind of got a little bit lucky with rj going down and, and some of the guys going down because he had a rough yeah he had a rough go it wasn't his wasn't his best weekend, but that's the um, that's the triple crown stuff. You know, it's like anything that can happen strange, it will. And it tends to breathe life into guys that wouldn't have maybe been going for it from the get-go, you know, at a traditional round. You know, racing 15 minutes plus two laps and 20 minutes plus two laps is about one of the hardest things that you can do. People don't, I don't think, realize that, that there's a big difference between 15 minutes and 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And so when you give those guys that that opportunity 
you know, you see guys like Phil, you know, going for it. This last moto, he, he was going for it. And if it would have been a shorter moto, he, he probably would have won it. And so I like the triple crowns for that. You know, you just give, give guys a chance that maybe wouldn't have had it because they're not quite to that point yet. So all in all, it's real good. It's been good. There's been several years where it's been, we thought it was maybe the best it's been. I know 2013 could have been that for me. And then I know in the, the 80s, there was lots of good racing and early 2000s. So it's, it's hard to say. Racing is always going to be exciting. If you've got people showing up to the, the starting gate, you're going to have races. But um, we'll see. Another couple rounds will be a little closer to to see who's going to take the the confidence. And it looked like it was Eli, you know, and I still think it is. He's got the momentum. But you see how quickly it can change. So with Houston this weekend, it's kind of like you're basically your your current hometown. I mean, I think you're a little sure. outside of town there. But it's also one of the places you won a 250 Supercross main event. So that has to be pretty special for you. Tell us a little bit about, like, what was it like to win that race, you know, in front of, I mean, were they your hometown sure. fans then? Dallas was more of my hometown at that time as I was living in Dallas when I wasn't in California. But my dad and my brother were already living in, in Southeast Texas. So it it was about as close as it gets. You know, I, I spent a lot of time here over the years and I know pretty much everyone in the, the Texas motorcycle community, but no, it was, it was awesome. Actually, my grandpa got a chance to attend that race. He didn't stay for the whole night, but he got to attend that race earlier in the day. And that's not something that he, you know, did a lot of in my racing career. So it was an awesome time. It was a, it was hard fought for sure. Um, would have liked to have gotten some more wins and top finishes in my home state, but, uh, yeah, I cherish those moments and um, going back to that place, it'll be it'll be fun. It's it's always a good time. Definitely. Well, you kind of gave us some little bit of predictions on the 450 class, but with the East Coast starting mm-hmm. up this this coming weekend, I'm pretty excited. It's kind of like another you know A1 all over again when the when the different coast starts up. We've got Tom Vial coming in from Europe, Hunter Lawrence, Michael Moseman. I mean, I've got a list of people here. I'm thinking, man, it's going to be tough to predict who wins. I got Nate Thrasher, Jordan Smith. Max Anstey, Jeremy Martin, Garrett Marchbanks, and then question marks, Hayden Deegan and Dax Bennett, who, by the way, those guys look pretty incredible watching the Supercross Futures there this past weekend. They looked good. It was, I think it was a little bit deceiving because that track was extremely difficult. Just with the whoops alone, that wasn't a very friendly amateur Supercross track, but those guys are definitely very fast. Um, the level's been rising, you know, over the years, and you can tell watching those guys on their practice tracks. Of course, and go to the race is a bit different deal, but it's hard to be a first-year guy or not even pro yet and hit whoops like that. Are they racing the East Coast, Benick and uh, sure. Deegan? I well, think there's a chance. Yeah, well, and you know, it'll be good if they do. They'll be exciting to watch next year if they don't. Uh, but yeah, that was another guy. It was Ansi who I was, I was thinking about. He actually looks really good on the pra- on the practice track right now. He's been back in Supercross for I don't know a couple of years, and it took him a while to kind of catch his stride. But I like that story, and I like seeing those guys. Of course, Chris Bloss is another guy that's a that's a veteran, and so I'm kind of rooting for the veteran guys. And Seeley, another guy I grew up kind of racing with, and who will be exciting to watch again. So I'm I'm rooting for those guys, but it's going to be hard to maybe go against a Smith or a or a Lawrence. I think. I think they'd yep. have to be probably considered the favorites. I know that the PC guys are hurt, so it's it kind of we kind of lost some of those key players. Um, so it kind of simplifies things a little, but it's going to be good regardless. And everyone comes out swinging at at round one, so there's never a shortage of excitement. Definitely. Well, folks, the uh, inaugural King of Daytona Pros versus Joes event is going to occur on Tuesday, March seventh. 
as I mentioned earlier, as part of the RC4 Daytona Vintage Supercross. Uh, Blake, really appreciate you coming on today. Any last words or shout-outs you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, no. If you guys are at Houston this weekend or Dallas in the upcoming future, or if you're at the Daytona Supercross or Amateur Day, just stop by, say hello. If you have any questions on these different events that we're doing or different projects, just feel free to hit us up online. Otherwise, look for those articles probably on RacerX, you know, not long after uh, the sure. event here in March. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much, Blake. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on. enjoyed this episode be sure to follow pit pass moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode and if you have a moment please rate and review our show we'd appreciate it you can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmoto.com where you can listen to past episodes and purchase your very own pit pass moto swag this has been a production of evergreen podcasts a special thank you to tommy boy helverson and the production team at wessler media i'm dale spangler I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.